This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson skulle jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Yes! 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 Don't worry, the music's gonna come in in post. That's gonna be there. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the, of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys' own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. Too excited. Live show number three. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. With me, as always, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. Congratulations to those who have won their fantasy hockey championships in the last week or who are still moving towards that goal, and sympathies and condolences to those who have recently fallen short. We'll pay tribute to you later in this week's show. Yeah, and but you know what? Before we get to that, we still have a big show today. I know that a lot of people's pools might be done, but I think we still have some very interesting content. And for people who are still alive in pools that go all the way to the final week of the season, I think we've got some nuggets for you. Before we get into the content... Oh, Dave's still here, by the way. Dave's in the video. Hi, everyone. Say hi to Dave. Dave, I'm going to turn you off now. Thanks for being here. Okay, before we get into the content, let's mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com. At this point, what is there to say? The best fantasy hockey website. Like, you're in your final week of your fantasy hockey playoffs. You need to be checking them for the line combos, the, the starting goalies. You don't want to have a goalie in your lineup. You don't have Bobrovsky set for tonight and then find out that Corpus is playing after the lineups have locked. So get yourself subscribed to Goalie Post. And always be looking at DauberHockey.com. What a great website. Great website. And one thing I like about it, Dauber and I have been chatting recently about ways to improve the site. Always open to feedback. If you have found something on the website great or different or something you want to bring up with Dauber himself, you just write him. Dauber at DauberHockey.com. Sorry, Dauber, for releasing your email to the masses. But I don't think you mind (laughs) because it's available and you're very good at getting back to people. So if you have any comments, any feedback on how Dauber Hockey can improve in the offseason, next season, what sort of pieces you want to be reading from them, what sort of options you want in the frozen pool, just send a note. Yeah, and if if he's like anything like us, then maybe you're better off uh, tweeting at Dauber Hockey to get to get feedback faster. But yeah, you can contact Dauber. You can contact us also at Keeping Carlson, or you can email us. But we like tweets. But okay, Brian, let's get on with the show. 
So much to talk about. Let's start with a mini Schmore goalies Borg. There's been so much goalie stuff going on from like injuries to outjuries to just slumping goalies at the worst time. So we're going to try to help people figure out what they can do in their last week to win their goalie categories, which have been so hard. In our Facebook group, we've had people winning their goalie categories with like a 903 save percentage, like winning 903 to 899. Like that's the kind of week it's been. But let's start with injuries. Let's start with the number one fantasy hockey headline of the week. I think we have to go to Pittsburgh and talk about Mark Andre Fleury. Injured, concussed. Oh no, you'd think like that's not good. The star goalie on this team, you'd think they depend on Fleury. Matt Murray, though, has come in and he's just been fantastic. Lights out. His first game after Fleury uh, went down, he got a shutout just like that. He, he uh, you know, last minute assigned to play against the Islanders. No problem. Shutout, 24 safe shutout. Then the very next day, he came in on a back to back. This is a rookie. Win, got the win, 6-2 win for the Penguins, 9.33 save percentage. Matt Murray, just amazing. And now we go into the last week of the season, and all of a sudden, does he become the guy who I thought Grice would be, a.k.a. like the most uh, the most valuable ad that you can make for your finals? Maybe the real guy is Matt Murray at this point. Is he like the guy you need to add if he's available in your league? Yes. Yes, he is. There's no doubt that Pittsburgh has been on a roll lately, in partly thanks to Matt Murray's latest run, which has been at a very good time. And he's coming in to replace Flurry, who we've talked about him a lot on the show this year, how he's been having a very good season. He's been up and down, though, since the All-Star break. He's sold a few games for the Penguins here and there, but hadn't been quite as reliable as he had been in the first. He's just been a 9-14 goalie in 23 appearances since the All-Star break, and you can contrast that with the 9-25 before it. And just to talk a little bit more about Flurry before moving on to Murray, he ends this regular season with what is a career-high 921 save percentage. Fleury's actually hit that mark once before in the regular season, but it was in about half as many games. Last year, Fleury was also in 920 in the regular season, so it might be time to adjust your idea of who he is as a potential fantasy number one goalie. I think we were high on him coming into the season. I know there are a lot of non-believers because Pittsburgh hasn't won a cup with such a great team and they've had some early playoff exits. But Marc-Andre Fleury has not been the guy to blame for the last couple of years, well, outside of the playoffs anyway, because he sure has had his share of playoff disasters. Uh, but for now, Matt Murray is now living up to his name as a blue-chip goaltending prospect, and he's stopped 52 of 54 shots, 933 save percentage, since Fleury's sudden concussion was announced. Uh, must have been a late, must have been a late wake savior for so many pulleys last week, and definitely has the potential to be that again for a lot of pulleys who were quick enough on the trigger this week. Yeah, it was the best feeling in one of my leagues, my league that's still going. Actually, it's a two week matchup. I like added Matt Murray when I got the notification th- from Goalie Post, by the way, that Flurry was injured and Matt Murray was going to get the start. I added Murray right away, and then like five minutes later, I got a message from my opponent swearing at me saying. F, I wanted Murray. And I was like, too bad. You missed it. Should have been subscribed to Goalie Post. But enough, you know, talking about that. Just to say, like, he's been so viable. And to get the shutout in that day was so amazing. So, yeah, Matt Murray. So, Brian, okay, we've decided he's the guy you want for this year. Really quickly, though, for next year, does the fact that Matt Murray's been so good, and obviously we don't know how long Fleury will be out, but, like, let's say that Matt Murray. I'm cutting you off right now. Marc-Andre Fleury is the Penguins' number one goalie. There's no doubt at all about that going into next year. Matt Murray might be the goalie of the future. Maybe he lets the Pens deal Marc-Andre Fleury at an opportune time. He gives them that sort of flexibility. But I think this is comparable to, say, a Vasilevsky-Bishop situation from last year, except I think 
Bishop was a much shorter tenure Tampa goalie at the time. And we still thought Vasilevsky might be able to push this season for that reason. Fleury has been with the Pittsburgh organization his entire career. He's still, uh, I don't have his current contract status in front of me. I imagine he's still got a year or two left in that deal. So I, I feel like there's no reason for the Pens to turn to Murray overly quickly. I guess like the difference though, between Vasilevsky and Matt Murray is Vasilevsky has just floundered time and time again. Every time he gets an opportunity to play, like we'll but see what happens. Last like, year, he was fantastic last year, which made us think that he could push for that number one position yeah, this year. True. So maybe Murray flounders next year. And in, in any case, I don't see any Penguins backup seeing more than 25, maybe like lucky to see 30 games of action. Okay, fair enough. So we'll discuss more in the offseason when we do Schmore Goalies Borg, and we'll have to see what happens in the playoffs, obviously. But definitely for this week, if you can get him, Matt Murray, almost, well, I don't know, almost a sure thing. Like Pittsburgh is on fire, like you said. Decent schedule. They play Ottawa on Tuesday. That should be a win. Actually, two tough games to end the week, though. Washington on Thursday and Philly on Saturday. And also, you should check your lineups because a lot of teams play on Thursday and Saturday. So no point adding Matt Murray if you're not going to have room for him in your lineup, though. I wonder if Matt Murray might be a better start than one of your star goalies. And we'll get to some star goalies because there's many of them that are really doing badly right now. And I'd want to play Matt Murray over a lot of them. What's going on there? Sorry. Sorry. Do not disturb, phone. All right. Let's move on to the next goalie injury. <laughs> Lots of goalie injuries to discuss, so we'll just try to burn through them. Next, Jake Allen out for the season now, which is a bummer. He got injured on Sunday, but you know, the thing with St. Louis is we were trying to decide forever between Allen, Elliot, you know, one gets injured, the other plays, and that gets injured, the other one plays. Now it's Elliot's turn once again, and you would think that's perfect because Elliot's been so good. The one maybe knock against him is he had a really brutal game last Friday, like unexpected. He was on such a roll. He had like Three, what was it? Three shutouts in a row. Then he had like a 952 save percentage his next game against Colorado. Then out of nowhere, let in five goals against Boston on 23 shots for a 783 save percentage before mercilessly getting pulled. Mercifully. And now though, mercifully. Mercifully getting pulled. Sorry, Brian. And so now, you know, Anders Nilsson's the backup. I don't think they're starting him. Like they're getting ready for the playoffs. Elliot's going to get the starts this week. And like, I assume that you should depend on him, right? That game against Boston was just, you know, an outlier. With Brian Elliott, I like, I don't think the three before that were necessarily the rule of Brian Elliott's performance. I think that, you know, in the past, he's been above average as a St. Louis goaltender for essentially his entire tenure there, save for um, a little spurt a few years back. But he's been a 931 this year and limited, well, relatively limited time compared to other NHL goalies. goalies. He's only played 40 games, so about 20 games fewer. Um, but who else would you want to count on? They're a tight defensive team. So Elliott has that advantage going for him every night, whether he puts up a good performance himself or not. And of course, you don't, I don't think anybody would consider starting Anders Nielsen, who I imagine people just learned that he was on the St. Louis Blues the other night when he came on in relief. Yeah, they like left Elliot at home and they just brought Al- Allen and Nilsson to their game. So Nilsson got in the net. He actually did pretty good, right? Anders Nilsson made 19 out of 20, saved 19 out of 20 shots. Is there any chance that Nilsson could get a start this week? Like St. Louis plays three times. Today, he's already been announced to play against Arizona. Then they play Thursday, Saturday. So no back-to-backs. I can't imagine Nilsson gets back in the net. Did you say Nilsson's announced to start tonight? No, Elliot's have been asked to start tonight. Okay, well, the way the sentence was structured, 
You know, I know oh you can mad at me for this stuff. On the on the edited shows, you know, we just wipe all this dissension away. No, I see Elliot playing all three, maybe <laughs> maybe two. If there's no, uh, if there's like zero stakes in the last game, then maybe Elliot gets a rest. Maybe they say, how are you feeling? And he says, I'll take the day off. But I don't think anybody should be counting on a start from Anders Nilsson. And even if he does, I mean, come on. He's still Anders Nilsson. I, I know he's playing for St. Louis, but he was miserable. He gave up five goals. On 23 shots the other night. No, you're ta- that was Elliot. Elliot, sorry. But Anders Nilsson. Nilsson was good. He, you're right. He stopped 19 of 20. 19 of 20. Had the wrong numbers in front of me. Uh, okay. 19 of 20. All right. We, get your, we get your point, still, though. Still no good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Nilsson obviously struggled a lot with the Oilers before getting traded to St. Louis. I don't think they were planning on playing him this year. So I, I wouldn't pick him up, obviously. Okay, next goalie injury, Frederick Anderson on Anaheim. He's got a concussion. So that means Gibson, this is basically the same as St. Louis, right? They were going back and forth. Now Gibson gets the chance. Luckily for the Gibson fantasy owners, it's like they pick him up at a time when he's been pretty good. Like he had a bad start against Vancouver. That was so weird. Who thought that Vancouver would get the the wins that they got? I guess they lost actually. Like Anaheim beat Vancouver, but Vancouver did beat San Jose, which was surprising. But yeah, Gibson now comes in. He's probably going to get the starts this week. We don't know how serious the Anderson injury is. But uh, if you have Gibson, I think good news for him. Brian, if you had to rank right now, like Elliot versus Gibson for this week, who would you want? We're going to start building a ranking of all these goalies. Oh, versus Matt Murray. You know, I just don't have the schedules in front of me to be able to make that call. I think I'm just going to tell you, uh, I put, I, I, I think I'll put Gibson first, then Elliot, then Murray, not knowing schedules, all things being equal. But keep in mind, my mind would be changed by home and away games and, uh, strength of competition. I know we answered a few questions on the Facebook group about this, and I seem to have it in my mind that Gibson is playing three away games, and maybe only one of them is a gimme this week. So yeah, maybe got, consider somebody other than him. Yeah, Anaheim's got Tuesday home against Winnipeg, then Thursday at Los Angeles, Saturday at Colorado, Sunday at Washington. So if Gibson plays both that Saturday and Sunday, that'll be a tough game on Sunday for sure. But he's a, he's been a good goalie. Like Gibson's a guy who you know there's been some ups and downs, but overall in the season a 9.20 save percentage, 9.28 actually in his last 30 days. While Frederick Anderson has really stumbled, he's only 8.96 in his last 30 days. So Gibson has been the better goalie lately. Now he gets a chance to prove himself and become the number one guy going into the playoffs. One more goalie injury before we get to I think what people really want to hear about, which is all of the struggling superstar goalies that you have to decide whether or not to play them or not this week. But I just want to mention JF Berube is injured, which I guess isn't that big a deal. You'd assume that Thomas Grice was going to get most of the starts for the Islanders anyways, except the Islanders play five times this week, which is crazy. They play Monday, Tuesday, like Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, like or some combination of that. So I don't, you know, two back-to-backs. I can't imagine Grice is going to get into all of those games, which means that Christopher Gibson, who was called up for the Islanders, might get some time. Um, Brian, I, I don't know if you've prepared for this, but you know who Christopher Gibson is? And like, like, if he plays, is he the guy that you could trust for a spot start? The first answer is I'll tell you a little bit. The second answer is no. Uh, but I have a question for you before I go any further. Yeah. What do you think, what country do you think Christopher Gibson was born in? Um, I don't know, Canada? Wrong. Wrong. I'll give you one more guess. uh, Sweden. Finland. Okay, you got it on your fourth guess, but I said I'll only give you the third. He's (laughs) from Karkila, Finland. I've never heard him speak. I wonder if he's got an accent or if, like, his family was just over there. Maybe I I have no idea. Anyway, Finnish goaltender Christopher Gibson is, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's been okay this year. 909 
in half a season with Bridgeport of the AHL. Last year, though, he was a 921 goalie with the Marlies of the AHL, which is a, a pretty good number. And the year before, he also uh, was semi-impressive in just a handful of appearances there. He came up through the QMJHL, was an LA Kings draft pick, 49th overall in 2011. I imagine this is the longest we'll spend talking about him for, I don't know, maybe ever, or maybe at least like a couple of years. I don't see him as being particularly close to making a difference in the NHL. It would be great to see him get a start, though, um, just for entertainment purposes. Grice starting five games. A Grice owner might be excited about that. But that is going to get tiring pretty fast if he does start all five. If I'm a coach and I'm thinking about making the playoffs, it's a real tension there because the Isles right now are in a wild card spot, I think, last I checked. And they've got to really to- uh, carefully navigate that line between their best goalie and their goalie who's too tired to be there. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And Grice, you know, we talked about, I think before he struggled a bit. I think we were talking about Barubi last week as someone who was doing better than Grice. Grice had a pretty good week. We'll see how he does this week. He's definitely going to have to be leaned on unless they're going to go to Gibson. Chris Gibson, that is two Gibsons that might be playing this week now. But yeah, Grice, we'll see. So far tonight, it's 1-1 for the Islanders against Tampa Bay. I actually have Grice in one league, and my opponent has Bishop. So I really need the Islanders to win. So feel free, everyone, to celebrate in the chat room every time the Islanders score. Hopefully, it'll happen a lot. Okay, so those are the goalie injuries. Now let's get into, since we're doing goalies, let's just make this a Schwar goalies board right now, just before we move on to all the skaters. Brian, so many goalies have been so bad in the past couple of weeks. It is insane. I'm just going to run through all of them at once that I have on my mind. And then afterwards, you know, we could start commenting them, commenting on them individually. Maybe in the chat room, you could play along. I'll mention a goalie and you say if this goalie ruined your stats last week and cost you a chance at your championship in one of your leagues. So we've got Peter Morazic on Detroit. Minus 900, like less than a 900 save percentage in his last three starts. Then he got pulled in his last game that he played versus Montreal after letting in two goals and seven shots. Now Jimmy Howard has played and won the last two games. That was a back-to-back, and Detroit decided to go to Jimmy Howard, even though it was a back-to-back, because they had so little faith in Peter Morazic while they're fighting for that playoff spot. Morazic just brutal. Then you go to Nashville. Pecorine, also three straight games with less than a 900 save percentage. He's actually only 908 on the season. This is a guy that we expected to be a top or second-tier goalie. Just brutal. Tuka Rask. Also three straight games with less than 900 save percentage. Also pulled yesterday against Chicago. A brutal game for Tuka Rask. Brian Elliott, we've mentioned, someone wrote in the chat room. Yeah, he had a bad game. He's only had one bad game, so that makes him a lot better than these other guys. I'm going to keep going. Sergei Bobrovsky, mostly sub-900 games in his in the last month. Like a couple good games sprinkled in here or there. But overall, he's just been horrible. Also a 908 save percentage on the season. So he joins Rene with that beautiful number. Brutal. Bobrovsky's been blowing it for everybody. And finally, even the king, Henrik Lungfist, has a 906 or lower in his last three games. He was pulled in the last game against Buffalo after allowing three goals on nine shots. Brian, what is happening? Like, these are the people you draft at the beginning of the year in the first or second round. You depend on them in your playoffs. They've all been just so bad. Like, has this ever happened before? Probably. I didn't really go that deep into the data, but I can okay. take on one at a time, Elon. Do you mind if I pick them apart so I can look at one at a time instead Please. of this whole bunch, this whole clump? I hope okay. people enjoyed my rant first? there. I hope people enjoyed my rant. Was- but okay, Brian, just go in order. Pick your order. 
Okay, well, you mentioned Mrazek first. I'm going to, I think you did. Anyway, so I'm going to start with him. Uh, in times of, it, it's crazy that he was so good for so long on what has been revealed to be a pretty weak Detroit Red Wings squad over the course of the season. And in times of dire straits for both the Red Wings and Mrazek's fantasy owners, when they both needed Peter Mrazek most, he has folded up like a cheap suit, not a quality start or appearance in his last five. And that's even being kind to the numbers he's been putting up by just saying it hasn't been a quality start. He's an 897 over his last 20 games played. And in his last 10, his goals against average is closer to being a four than it is to being a three. So with the Wings hanging on to their playoff spot only by virtue of essentially geography and what division they're in because of it, they can't afford to play a goalie who's been bad this long, at least on my opinion, Jimmy Howard has been, at worst, a 900 goalie for his last four appearances, and sadly, that's been a breath of fresh air. He's also won three of his last four, so 900 be damned. He's doing okay somehow. If I'm Jeff Blashill, I'm going with the goalie that's winning me games since they both seem like big junk to me. Now, the where it gets interesting here for me is that if you have a Mrazic owner in your league whose season was just blown to pieces by Mrazic, and maybe he didn't invest such a high draft pick on Mrazic. If this is a keeper league, Mrazic was picked on average. He was the 22nd goalie picked in the ESPN leagues this year. Maybe this is a chance for you to lowball a deal uh, with, from the Mrazic owner and try and steal him as a future keeper because I have not lost faith in Peter Mrazic long-term, even from this stretch. Ah, okay. So good point. Yeah, we should look at this. Some leagues, obviously, the trade deadline is passed and you can't make trades, but maybe you're allowed to make some trades in the summertime. And yeah, that's very smart. Mrazek's value might be at its lowest right now. Can't get any lower, right? He had such an amazing start to the year. It was like one of the most valuable goalies in fantasy. So that's very smart, Brian. I do agree that he would be a guy that you would think over the summer, he'll somehow figure out what happened and maybe do better next year and like have a great career ahead of him. Jimmy Howard's not going to be around forever. How about though, Brian, for one-year leagues, how about as we go through these goalies, you can say whether you think that they should be dropped or held on to and played this week. Mrazek seems like should be dropped, right? Because he might not even get games. I think they're going to go with Howard. And even if he does play, like his confidence must be shot for the short term. Obviously, you've got to look at potential replacement options. If you have Mrazek and there's a goalie who might get a start or two for sure, I I guess you can make that switch. And I feel like if you drop your goal, if you drop Peter Mrazek right now, nobody's going to rush to grab him necessarily, unless it's for a spot start later on. So if you would rather put a skater in that position or there's a more reliable somehow goaltending option available to you, then you can make that move. All right. Elon, I'm going to move on Next. to talk about Rene. Is that cool? You don't even have to ask. Just do it. Okay. All You're right. Man. Uh, Pekka Rene. This might surprise you, Elon, but out of all the goalies who are struggling right now that you just rhymed off, he was the highest goalie picked on average amongst all of them. He was picked fourth amongst goalies overall in ESPN League. So not overall players, but out of goalies. Fourth goalie picked on average in ESPN drafts back in September and October. Not doing, uh, not living up to that number at all. Nashville is 25th out of 30 teams in adjusted goals saved above average per 60 minutes, per 60 minutes, which is a stat that we chatted about, I think on the last show or the one before that, which essentially ranks goalies based on what they should have been able to stop uh, taking into account shot location, quality, minutes played, whatever. And the Predators find themselves looking up in that metric at teams like Montreal and Carolina, who've just been gong shows this year, 
but unlike those cities, Pecorine is the sole person to blame for Nashville's problems in that stat. It's been another disappointing season for him overall, but how disappointing depends on how high you set the bar for him at the start of the year, which really shouldn't have been so high uh, in my humble opinion. The thing is, is that Nashville has managed a pretty strong season in what's essentially the NHL's group of death in their division, even despite Renee's woes. Okay. So we're talking about, should they keep playing him down the stretch? And they've had, they've, they've made it. They've made it into the playoffs with very poor goaltending from Renee. He's had essentially only two runs this year where he was an above average goalie for like nine or 10 games at a time. So outside of that, he's been a 900 goalie. So the question is now three games left in the season. Should the Predators go forward with Carter Hutton? Uh, I think so. Like, I, I feel like they should just keep playing. He's got a 920 save percentage, including three consecutive very, very good appearances. And that should at least beg a why not. But will the Predators do that? I really doubt it. I think Rene plays at least two of the three remaining games for the Preds. He's in year four of a seven-year, $7 million contract. Just another, another example of why it's kind of foolish business to commit so much money and so much term to a goalie uh, in that whole set in this in the four years that Renee's played of that contract so far he has had a year-end save percentage north of 910 only once so I, th- I think the Preds are pretty committed to Renee despite that and they've all but clinched the top wild card spot so they can actually afford to keep trotting him out night after night once or twice more in the obscure hope that he can find his game, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs, though. When push comes to shove, maybe Hutton does get in, but for the three remaining regular season games, I'm going to guess that Rene, yeah, he probably sees about two of them at least. Yeah, I think um, Rene is very interesting because, yeah, he's been on a slump, but also if he does get those games, like Nashville has a pretty sweet schedule this week, like Colorado on Tuesday, and Colorado's really been struggling, then Arizona on Thursday. So maybe the coach, I think the coach should play him and give him the chance to bounce back and get ready for the playoffs. It is insane though that like when you say it out loud, like Carter Hutton has been a 920 goalie on the season and Rene has been a 908. That is, I, who would have predicted that? Maybe you would have, I guess. I remember in Schmorgoliesborg when you said that you thought Rene was overrated. I remember I had him in my top tier and you didn't have him in your top tier. And you convinced me by the end of the episode, I was like, okay, I'm moving into my second tier. But like for the goalies who've had him, like I guess he's still been able to get the wins. But for your other stats, like he's just been really brutal. 32 wins though on the year is really good. Just goes to show how good Nashville has been at scoring. And it's really interesting because Nashville used to be this team that you really couldn't rely upon for goals. And they were a defensive team. And now it's like totally flip. Horrible defensively and goaltending wise, but great for scoring. Okay, so Rene, I'm going to say still hold on to him and play him this week just because of the easy schedule and cross your fingers. I'd rather have him than Mrazek. Move on. Uh, Next I, I guess so, because he's going to play more games. The next guy is actually the guy of this group of four that I want the most. And strangely, he was actually picked 12th amongst goalies on average. And ESPN drafts at the start of the season, which just blows my mind. Tuka Rask, who, unlike Rene, has a proven track record. This season this year is actually definitely, well, almost definitely an aberration. We'll find out for sure next year. But this year actually could mark the first of his career where Rask's performance falls under the realm of being merely average. And also unlike Nashville for Rask, there's zero question about whether Boston's backup, Jonas Gustafsson, uh, would ever be more likely to turn in a better performance than Rask as a a starter on any given night. So I I like Rask more for both those reasons. Uh, If you look at where things are going wrong, I mean, 
His even strength save percentage is on the low end for his career. It's not his lowest ever, but his short-handed save percentage is. Although it's not, it's it's not his lowest by a ton. Uh, but he has spent enough time short-handed that it's added up to where he, we find him right now, sitting at nine fifteen on the year. But if you look at the bigger picture, like aside from the last few starts, Rask has not been very bad at all in the last four months. He had a really poor start. And he's having a poor finish, which is unfortunate for him. But all that stuff in the middle was very good. And I still think you should feel okay with rolling him in your league. It's been a really rough ride over the last week, especially at such a key time of the year. But he's the guy out of this group that I have the most faith that he can recover and turn in a really great performance for me on any given night. Okay, yeah. So you you've loved Rask for a long time, and you know he's been good for so many years. And maybe you could cut him some slack. Boston, maybe you know you could say they've been letting him down, but yeah, just brutal starts lately, which is too bad. Uh, I will mention one quick thing about Boston before we move on to the next goalie. We mentioned last week that Krejci might be uh, like a guy on a cold streak that you wonder if he might uh, be worth dropping for the finals. But I recall we said on the episode that we think that Krejci, I know I said specifically, that I think Krejci's worth holding on to and he should be able to bounce back. And he's just been amazing over his last couple of games. So hopefully you held on to David Krejci. Brian, it's 829. We got to get to our, our advertisements. Why don't we just quickly get through these other two goalies? Uh, Bobrovsky. Okay, I'm going to go really quick, okay? Go I'm just going to say his even strength save percentage numbers, they're lower than they've ever been since his much maligned sophomore season in Philly. That was the one when he had a pretty good rookie season, and then Philly went out and paid Ilya Brizgalov as a free agent, an insane amount of money to play ahead of Bobrovsky. Uh, Bobrovsky right now, he's in the first year of a four-year, $7.5 million, uh, annual average value deal uh, has to be the goalie of the future. But at the same time, Tortorella probably does not care at all about that and would probably like to keep starting Corpus Allo just to stick it to whoever he can stick it to. So I feel like that's maybe the most volatile goaltending situation in the league right now where they're on a poor team. Corpus Allo has been able to somehow put a reasonably good season together. And that actually might be understating it while Bob just has never found his groove between injuries and slow starts and this and that. Uh, so last few games of the season, I have no idea who's going to start for Columbus. Well, Corpus is playing tonight, like you said. And then after that, Columbus doesn't have, you know, I guess they have three more games. They play Toronto on Wednesday, which you'd think should be a good start. Then Buffalo on Friday. So they've got the off game starts Chicago Saturday. So maybe Bobrovsky could do something. I think the interesting question with Bob Moore is like, we've been having this chat on the Facebook group. Now, a lot of people drafted him or have him like, and consider him a keeper for, you know, years to come. And we were starting to talk about like a Talbot versus Bobrovsky. And I think I landed on Talbot. I know you disagreed, but like, Bobrovsky is someone who uh, is on a bad team, like you said. I think the Oilers, who have been bad, but you'd think they should get better. Like, if Connor McDavid could play a full season, you'd hope that they could just keep on getting better and better. And, you know, now there's Corpusalo, who people think is good. And Bob has just been bad. Like, I feel like you could draft Bobrovsky. Like, you don't need to keep him. Maybe, like, I don't know. Between the two, I think I'd go Talbot right now. Bob is no longer your uncle. I, I don't <laughs> know what to make of the, the keeper situation for Bobrovsky. Actually, though... I think it's worth saying, Elon, earlier in the season, we were having a lot of questions about Bobrovsky versus Talbot. And I think I was frequently picking Talbot because Columbus is just such a hot mess this year. Uh, but still long-term, like, I, I think, I mean, obviously Bobrovsky's star has fallen enough and Talbot's has risen to some extent that we are considering dropping him as a keeper on some squads where 
he was essentially guaranteed to be there for years to come. He was a cornerstone piece for a lot of fantasy hockey teams. I don't know what to make of his value for next year. It's certainly lower. Do you lose patience completely? That That's the tougher call. I still think he has good seasons in him, ahead of him. But to be honest, if Columbus doesn't change their management team, like if Tortorella is still coaching, uh, that's probably a strike against keeping him. Yeah, so as a keeper, maybe it's not worth it, though maybe he's going to be a sleeper that you can pick up in your draft. If you could get him in the slot of like your second or third goalie, maybe that will be like a nice thing. If it's a goalie that you've already got your, you know, one or two goalies you could depend on, then you grab Bob. If people really don't like him in your draft, maybe he'll be good for next year. We'll talk about him in Schmork Goalies Borg, but just what a brutal year for him. Of all the goalies, I think he's the one I'm most concerned about, or the ones we've talked about. And on the opposite side, let's just say quickly, Henrik Lundqvist. It's a shame, like, in the fantasy hockey playoffs that he's done this. Overall, he's had a great year, 920 save percentage. It's just, like, he had three bad games in a row. He's doing okay today against Columbus, one goal against and 15 saves for what it's worth in the middle of a game. But, like, Lundqvist, like, still great. I, I wouldn't worry about him. If you have him, I would still play him. Like, if I had Lundqvist, I wouldn't be, um, you know, benching him this week. I know that Ryan in the chat room here would probably disagree because he, like, screwed him over last week. But... I don't, know, I don't know, Brian, if you disagree with me, but I have a feeling that Lungfist will be fine. Lungfist will be fine. I don't even need to need to get right. into deep detail about this. We have this conversation like seven, more times a year as he, he gets older, but he's still, he's still going to be fine. Okay, so we still have lots to talk about. It's been all goalies for this episode. Don't worry. We know that there's other positions in fantasy hockey aside from goalies. What? Before we get to all of them, Brian, if you want to go to see the playoffs are coming, you can go to see a playoff game. I know it's expensive, so maybe you should search for tickets using SeatGeek, the sponsor of Keeping Carlson, happily sponsored by SeatGeek. Uh, it's a great site to go if you want to search for tickets because they take all the frustration out of buying tickets to concerts and sporting events. You know, they give a grade to these events so that you could see based on value, you could immediately find underpriced seats. You could get the best value. I know, Brian, you love getting good value. I love getting good value. It's what attracts me to fantasy hockey. Which it's what attracts me to SeatGeek. And the thing is, a lot of other sites, they tell you, we've got the lowest prices. We've got the best seats. SeatGeek has all of that, but I want the best deal. And that's where SeatGeek comes in and helps me. They've got rankings and colors to go with that rankings if you don't like numbers you can go by colors to determine which is the best deal for you like if you don't want the cheapest seat in the house if you want to splurge a little bit sit in a nicer section you can find the one that gives you the best value for your money very easily over at SeatGeek and of course Elon you'll save even more over uh, off whatever you pay because you are a listener of Keeping Carlson that's right you could get $20 off $20 U.S off of your first SeatGeek purchase if you enter the promo code KEEPING and then they'll send you $20 after you make your first ticket purchase. So go to SeatGeek, download the app, enter the promo code KEEPING, make your purchase, use SeatGeek if you want your tickets and have a great time. (laughs) Tweet us a picture from the game. Let's move on. Brian, okay, we still have so many. I know that people were mad at us maybe that we didn't say what maybe should have been the first fantasy hockey headline of the week. I just really wanted to get into goalies. But let's go to the other huge news from last week, which is that Steven Stamkos is injured. He's going to be out one to three months, a blood clot issue, which, you know, doesn't sound too pleasant. So he's gone. All of a sudden now the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, yeah, there's this week and we'll see like if there's any players that maybe step into like the top power play and whatever. Long term though, you know, people are talking about Stamkos in terms of his keeper value. We talked about him on the patron cast about like, you know, now that he's has these like injury troubles and he's been slowing down a little bit, like overall, like at the end of this season now, how are you feeling about Stamkos? We had a lengthy chat about him on the patron cast and we talked about how 
we feel good about him. Like he's come back. There were a ton of things. Doomsday, you know, that injury hampered him forever. He's no good anymore. Uh, but he is just fine. Like he's still, we were, we were discussing him in the context of if he's a top 10 fantasy forward going into next year's drafts. And it was a resounding yes as the answer. So I think Stamkos is going to be fine. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up playing next year. The Lightning better hope it's Tampa because their lineup looks a little sad without him. Uh, Their top line tonight in their first game, back at least in the warm-up, sorry, in their first game without Stamkos, Palat, Johnson, Kucherov. So they have the triplets. It's like, oh, that's great. Of course, they don't care if Stamkos is out. They have that second line that's really good. But then you take a look at their new second line, and it's Cedric Paquette, Valtteri, Phil Pula, and Ryan Callahan. It just shows you what a difference, what an impact Steven Samkos has on making that Tampa depth chart look like it has, well, a little more depth than it really does. Uh, Interestingly enough, though, there's been one goal scored tonight for the Lightning, and it was Alex Kalorn assisted by Nikita Kucherov. So we can't even be sure that they're playing together. Those were just the pregame line rush combinations. Uh, We'll have to keep an eye on how things shake out. I feel like it's the Lightning will be best served by spreading around the triplets, given the, the state of the rest of their nine forwards. Well, Brian, I'm using Frozen Pool so I can look at the lines in real time that they've been using for this game so far. And it looks like overall they have been going with what you suggested, Palat, Kucherov, and Tyler Johnson. That's been most of the game. But I guess when that goal was scored, they did have at one point Kucherov with Killorn and Tyler Johnson. So I don't know, maybe uh, Killorn took Palat's spot for a little bit. But yeah, things don't look good. Also, here's an interesting name you wouldn't expect. It looks like Brian Boyle has been playing on the top power play with Tyler Johnson, Kucherov, and Palat. I wonder if maybe there's some value in a very, very deep league. Would there ever be a reason to add Brian Boyle? At least he's on the top power play. But, I mean, this is a guy who has 18 points in 73 games on the season. Yeah, so no, I actually think you'd be better served if you want to go out on a limb. Go ahead and add, well, I mean, there's a week left in the season. So I really don't know how much this is going to help you. I wish there were a few more, so I might sound clever at the end of this. But go ahead and add Jonathan Druin. I feel like there's a chance that the Lightning are desperate enough that they look at him. There was a murmur from Eisman saying that they'll consider all options. A little Drew and AHL update, 11 goals and two assists in 17 games played for Syracuse. Uh, 11 goals on 55 shots on goal. And so you might be expecting me to say, well, that's a high shooting percentage. But, you know, Druin would also have a high shooting percentage in a beer league. And we would consider that probably to be sustainable. So I, I think they should call him up. Let's see what he can yeah. do at the NHL level. I know there's a lot of, of history. It's not that simple. They can't just do it at this point. Uh, but I would love to see if he can really step in because there's a huge void. And he would be like, it, it would be so nice to see him just step right into it. It would be cool, right? So unfortunately, Druin actually missed a game with oh. a tweak in his lower body on Sunday. So yesterday. So who knows? Hopefully he's not injured for very long. And that would be very cool if he could be called up. A tweak. Just a tweak. How bad could it be? Hopefully he'll be fine. And yeah, that would be a great story if he could come up and like lead the Lightning to the Stanley Cup Finals and win the Conn Smythe Trophy. Maybe that's like uh, maybe overdoing it. But very interesting. By the way, I will say Brian Boyle did score a power play goal in his last game. So throwing it out there, <laughs> you never know. If, if you need someone, I don't know, but Tampa Bay's schedule, it's not as if like they're playing on on off days, really. They've got Monday, they've got today, and then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So it's too late to add Brian Boyle today, and then he's just playing on the days when you probably would have him on your bench anyway. So. And it's worth it's worth noting that they are losing 4-1 to one right now to the Isles also. Yes. Um, so so yeah. take that, Matt. Uh, 
my opponent in the finals. <laughs> ben Bishop is killing him. Grice is going to get me another win. I'm going to win this league for sure. Ah, feels good. Okay, Brian, let's move on now. So we've got some more injuries and outjuries to talk about. We want to also get to all of your questions. We have some interesting questions here piling up. Maybe we'll get to a few of them before we get through our content. We got time, right? So anyways, I wanted to talk about the more, some more injuries. So we talked about Stamkos, another guy out for the year. We've got a few guys out for the rest of the regular season, which I guess makes sense since this is the last week of the season. But Evander Kane, is this deja vu? We did this last year. Evander Kane got injured with a few. Well, he, that was a little bit more. That was around the trade deadline that he got injured. But yeah, miss, missing the end of the season once again. And once again, I ask you the question, like, who is Evander Kane? Is he a valuable guy in fantasy? Like, who, should he be a keeper for people? Is he going to be another guy you want to draft early in your drafts? Like, on one hand, the positives with him. He's such a great multi-cat player. He gives you the hits. He takes so many shots on goal, though I've been reading a lot about how he like shoots from half and that's why he takes so many shots, but that's why they don't... Like It was in the Dauber Ramblings recently. They're saying that's why he doesn't get to play on the top power play because he takes weak shots for what it's worth. But he gets like eight, six, six shots a game on most nights. You know, he had 20 goals this year, which is really good in 65 games, but like only 35 points in 65 games. So when you look at the total production... 35 points in 65 games. If you were to put that over an 82-game season, which, by the way, Evander Kane never plays an 82-game season, but if he somehow did, that would only be a 44-point pace. So, like, is he that valuable, or do we finally, like, just give up on Evander Kane at this point? Well, you can give up on him, I think, as a 30-goal scorer. That's how we hoped he would sort of project to be, especially going to Buffalo, being in a better situation. But we found out this year uh, that he can get all the ice time that he gets in top line or top six, whatever power play time. He can get his four or more shots on goal per game, which is a real uh, achievement. Uh, two to three hits per game. Like you said, Elon, very good multi-cat guy. But it all adds up this year to 20 goals over 65 games and even fewer assists. And to put that into perspective, like say he did play another 15 games this year he'd probably add just five goals to that total going by what he's done this year. So Kane, instead of hopefully being a 30-goal scorer, he's actually rounding into, a, rounding into a guy who gives you valuable peripherals. Like you said, Elon, good multi-cat guy. But he's now starting to sort of remind me of Jeff Skinner in a way. Someone with insane shot volume and scoring opportunity, but perennially low conversion rate. And even Skinner's is actually better than Evander Kane's. And if you look at players who shoot as prolifically as Kane does and their shooting percentages, Kane is way down there. There are 31 forwards this year who've had, who have averaged three or more shots per game in 40 games or more games, uh, 40 games played or more. Uh, the only ones of those 31 forwards who have lower shooting percentages than Evander Kane are Radim Verbata and Nazem Kadri, who we both now have both been so snake bitten this year. And that club is quite exclusive to have three shots per game over the last three years there's only 30 forwards so similar to this year who have averaged that amount over the last three years and played substantial time and on that list over three years Kane sits dead last in shooting percentage amongst prolific shooters so maybe he can turn those shots into more goals at some point down the road but I no longer expect him to do that yeah it's it's a bummer and the thing is like Kane, it's, he's not going to have room to get on that top power play. Like, if you look at Buffalo right now, like, you've got O'Reilly, they've got Eichel, they've got Sam Reinhardt. Like, right there, that's three forward spots. I don't think Kane bumps one of those guys. Like, Sam Reinhardt has been so good this year, and he's been great, like, on the power play. He's been, a, like, really great playing with the guys like Ryan O'Reilly especially. 
By the way, what's with this Cal O'Reilly? Like, it was so frustrating in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. I had Ryan O'Reilly, and every time I would see that O'Reilly scored or got an assist and then realized it was C O'Reilly, ugh, frustrating. But yeah, he's been, he's been actually on the top power play as well. So maybe at some point next year, I don't know. We'll talk about him at some point. Don't pick up Cal O'Reilly, I wouldn't say. But like, yeah, I just don't see Kane having a big impact. We thought when he went to the Sabres, like it's going to be his team now, like this young team and Kane will just take over. But really, like hasn't been the case. He's been good. Like he's definitely like a valuable player on the team. But if you can't crack the top power play, like how high do you draft this guy? Like I think, you know, I would draft him next year. I'm not going to leave him undrafted if we get to that point in the draft. And if your league counts shots on goal, he could like single-handedly win you that category in a week. We're not win it, you know, but like give you a big edge. Like, you know, the Chris Russell for blocks, that's what he could be for shots for you. But at the end of the day, yeah, just not what he what we hoped he would be. Brian, should I move on to the next guy out for the season? Yeah. Here's Who like maybe it? on the on the other side of Evander Kane. Why don't we go to Florida? Vincent Trocek. Here's someone who we didn't have any expectations for this season. And instead, he's been like amazing. Like he's just been and, I, and he was good at the start of the year. I'd love to go back and listen to the episodes when we first mentioned him, but we must have been like, ah, oh, it probably won't last. Like, you know, he, you know, we weren't expecting this, but you know, you add up all of his points on the year and he has 53 points in 76 games, like really heated up near the end of the season, like 13 points in his last 12. It's a real bummer that he's injured. And like, I'll be interested, you know, I guess we're sort of like transitioning. I know we want to be doing this podcast and helping people who are in their final week, but it's so tempting to just talk about people's value for next year. But first, I guess, let's just talk about, like Florida for the rest of this year, because that leaves a gaping hole on the line with Jokinen and Riley Smith. And they were doing so well, but you know what? They lose uh, Vincent Trocek, but they gain Nick Bjugstad, who's really good as well. And he's also been on a good run. So I feel like if you have Riley Smith or you see Jokinen, maybe you shouldn't be so worried. Maybe there's a chemistry issue, but overall, you know, he's been good. And actually there's already been a goal today by Nick Bjugstad assisted by Riley Smith. So if that's any indication, it is against Toronto. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I'm okay with Riley Smith and you see Jokinen. And maybe this is good news for Nick Bjugstad, who gets an increased role. He was already on the top power play. Now he's in the top six. Yeah, and actually, he was the one who has been hurt the most by Trochek's emergence in Florida. Uh, He was doing well, like getting 17, 18 minutes of playing time per game. Maybe not necessarily making the most of that time. Uh, He got injured in late November. uh, And then when he got back in uh, in the start of January, Trochek had already stepped in and done what he did and clicked very well with Smith and Jokinen. So there was no place for Bjugstad to come back to. Um, Bjugstad, by the way, when, uh, sorry, Bjugstad, when Trocek did go out, Bjugstad had a game high, eight shots on goal. None of them went in. He did get a power play assist and uh, he did see his highest amount of ice time since being bumped from that second line spot by Trocek earlier in the year. And Elon, you see the Panthers gain uh, gain Bjugstad on the second line, but it's worth noting that Yuri Hoodler loses Nick Bjugstad. Yuri Hoodler is left to play with, well, I guess one of Rocco Grimaldi or Derek McKenzie. So anybody hoping for some depth production from Hoodler down the stretch uh, and excited that he was still getting to play with a good third line center, uh, which I was one of those people, uh, can now be a little disappointed. There will be some collateral effects of Trocek's injury there. Okay, so can we call Yuri Hoodler a snoozer? If you're holding on to him for your final week, you should probably be dropping him and looking for someone else. He's not on the top power play. He's out of the top six. That, to me, sounds like someone who you can drop. He's on the second power play, playing with Jokinen and Riley Smith, actually, and Teddy Purcell. 
But at the end of the day, like how much value can Hoodler really give you? Like it was nice that he was still able to put up some points, even though he lost his really prime spot on the Flames top line. But, you know, he's got one point in his last five. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes pointless for the rest of the season. Yeah, no shots on goal in that game against Montreal, where Bjergstad did have eight. Uh, I think uh, Barkov had something like four or five. A handful of other had, uh, other Panthers had two or three. Uh, yeah, not somebody somebody to look to stream out of your lineup, I think, right. if there are other possible options. Yeah, hey, look for Bjergstad. Maybe you have Hoodler and Bjergstad's available. That would be a definite swap that I would want to make. Okay, so next, we got some more injuries still. Let's just maybe burn through these now. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom is out for Washington. We still don't know for how long. He might even be back next game. Just wanted to mention it. Uh, Marcus Johansson has gone to the top line, which is great for him. And he has produced, if I recall. I have to, like, research just as fast as we're talking here. Produced, quote-unquote. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to scare quote it and take away, give you some time to research. Uh, he has one assist on five shots on goal since Backstrom has been out, which I think, Elon, you can tell me, has been two games. Yeah, yeah, two games, you're right. And uh, he w- it was a power play assist. He is on the top line, so he does have the potential to pass the puck to Alex Ovechkin and maybe make something happen. But, yeah, maybe it's not like a, a slam dunk ad. I think I'd rather have uh, Nick Bjogstad than Marcus Johansson. Uh, yeah, so would I. Although a lot of people are probably yelling, well, yeah, the Caps aren't going to score. Look at Ovechkin. Uh, he really, he let a lot of people down, I think, in the last couple of weeks. Thankfully, we got by without him, you and I, Elon, in the joint pool that we just won last Woo! night, which Woo! is so exciting. But Washington, the whole team, their on-ice shooting percentage is just tanked. It's one of those, like, I'm moving my hand up and down in a roller coaster motion as I say, at least once per live show. Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, it happens over the course of the season. You see some highs, you see some lows. The Caps are in a big valley right now in terms of their shooting percentage. Everything else still looks okay. One guy, aside from Ovechkin, a lot of people are concerned about is uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, who, by the way, is miles ahead, like miles ahead, a half a point per 60 minutes, which is huge. Like, that's a that's a chasm right there uh, ahead of the rest of the Capitals forward core. And he's actually shooting more. He's taking more shots on goal since January on the whole. But again, he's caught up in this, uh, in this funk that the Capitals are in that we expect them to break out of uh, next year. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Capitals, they've still been winning games. Like, Holtby's probably going to break this record. We'll see next week if he's able to, uh, you know, do that. Or this week, they've got Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and I think even one more. Let me check the schedule. Yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So there's going to be lots of games. So if you could get one of these Capitals players, hopefully they'll help you. Kuznetsov, at least, you know, in his last three games, and two of them he had power play assists, so maybe he's breaking out of it. We talked about this on the Patreon cast, Brian, uh, which was last Wednesday, but with uh, with Kuznetsov going cold, that, like, immediately killed all of Andre Burakovsky's value, right? Like, as soon as Kuznetsov doesn't get points, that's a guarantee that Burakovsky doesn't get points. And since Kuznetsov's two points that he had recently were on the power play, Burakovsky doesn't play with him on the power play, I don't think so. Yeah, he's been pointless now in seven games. A bummer. He was a guy who was hot for so for so long, but that was just because he was playing with Kuznetsov, I think. And yeah, Burakovsky's another guy that's probably a snoozer, though he did have seven shots in his last game. That was against Arizona, though. So, you know, I don't think that Washington's going to get as many opportunities against the other teams they play as they do against Arizona. I just dropped a little link into the chat for anybody who can't get to it. Uh, it was over at RussianMachineNeverBreaks.com uh, from an article on April 3rd called Let Your Heart Soar, and it's essentially an Andre Burakovsky appreciation uh, and showing how well he's doing this year and how overshadowed he is unfairly by the production from a lot of other guys on the team. 
He has been very good. You know, a lot of people say he's riding Kuznetsov's coattails, which, you know, it doesn't hurt, but apparently he's been quite good uh, on his own merit. Yeah, so anyways, Backstrom hopefully will be back soon, and we'll see what happens. And I'd expect if you have Kuznetsov, obviously you're not dropping him. Uh, He has just as good a chance as anybody to break out and have a good week. Like, he's been so great this year. And Burakovsky, I don't know. So you're saying that Burakovsky should maybe get more credit, and we shouldn't just call him a guy riding Kuznetsov's coattails? I am. I am. He's doing doing a lot of things right, if you want to put it uh, simply. I'm trying to find the nugget in the article that I just referenced. I don't think I'm going to find it fast enough for, for a live show. Let me say something Oh, else. okay. Burkowski is second amongst all caps forwards in five on five, as so an even strength points per 60 minutes. And his numbers hold up well compared to all forwards around the league. And that's essentially a direct quote. If you want more details, you really should go read this article. It's a good look, a good snapshot of the caps at this point in the season when a lot of people are pretty concerned about what exactly is happening to them. Yeah, I still think they're going to do well. I think they're still the favorite in the East, even though Pittsburgh's been so hot lately. That'll be fun maybe for next week. We could talk about some playoff predictions or something once the season's actually over. Um, okay, let's move on to the next injury. I'll just burn through them. So Martin Hansel's injured. In other news, the sky is blue. Like, that always happens. He was hot. I was going to say, oh, Hansel's hot again. Like, every week I talk about Martin Hansel. If he's doing well, I say that, like, he'll keep going, then he doesn't. He's injured now, so just... We'll talk about him again next year, like 20 times throughout the season. But yeah, he was doing good, and then he got injured. Too bad. Mark Stone, day-to-day. Uh, it's interesting to note on Ottawa, and they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday this week, so not the best schedule. But like Pajot and Smith, they've still been producing with Mark Stone out. And you would have thought like that was what was... like We thought Mark Stone was the one sort of leading them to get all of those points. But I guess they've been playing now with Bobby Ryan, which isn't a bad replacement. So it's still some value maybe from Peugeot and and, and uh, Zach Smith. Or Brian, do you think that they'll slow down this week since they're playing without Mark Stone? I mean, I don't think Mark Stone is... Wor- uh, sorry, I don't think Bobby Ryan is necessarily an improvement over Mark Stone. It's positive, though, that at least they still had a score put on their line. I, I, I don't know. Hard to say at this point whether or not uh, Bobby Ryan can do as much for them as Mark Stone did, or maybe they've quietly taken a step forward and we're not giving them enough credit. That's one of the things that one of the storylines I know I will as a close sense follower will be looking at going into next season. Yeah. And then we have to mention, you know, even in the last game, finally, Mike Hoffman did something. He's been really slow. Well, actually he had a good hot streak and then went slow. So that, that other line with Hoffman and Mika Zibanejad and, and Matt Pumple. Yeah. When Ottawa gets an injury, you also see just like what you said about Tampa Bay, like you see how shallow they are when people get injured, but yeah, then the, it looks like that's the second line. Matt Pumple is the, is on there. So good for him. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Zach Smith and Peugeot could like end the year as hot as they've been for the last little while. It's been quite the story. It'll be interesting to see like Zach Smith, apparently it's a contract year. Like is Zach Smith really going to be worth a lot of money for Ottawa? Anyways, this isn't Sen's chat. But it's going to get Chris Neal money. Oh boy. <laughs> like Zach Smith is a guy that I've known for so long. It's just this annoying guy that always got penalties at the wrong time. That was my impression watching the Sens. And all of a sudden this year, he's been this great scorer. So for the people who've enjoyed him, you know, that's great. Uh, also, you know, we mentioned Mark Stone is injured. Also, Michael Stone out for the season on Arizona. Uh, Brian, really quickly, I don't know if you have this up, but like, is, are there any other Arizona D worth looking at at this point, aside from Oliver Ekman Larson? Like, is there anyone who like benefits from Matt Stone being injured? Or Michael Stone? Uh, Mike, Michael Stone, okay. yeah. Uh, Connor Murphy seems to be the the guy who's getting the most ice time on the, on the blue line uh, after Stone and Ekman Larson. Uh, and I'm trying to very quickly see 
what he's been able to do with it. If only I could remember his name, Connor Murphy. Uh, he has not done anything at all. He has a yeah. uh, not no. It's not even. He has one point in his last ten, and I'm not even going to look beyond the last ten games. Only a couple shots on goal. No, Oliver Ekman Lyson, the only Coyotes demon worth owning with Michael Stone injured. Well, Connor Murphy, if you really counts blocks, he had six blocks a couple of games ago. And if he is getting an increased role, and he did have an assist today, actually, against St. Louis, he has an assist. So oh, okay. Okay, two points in his last 10 games. All right. <laughs> so good for Connor Murphy. All right, enough of these injuries. That's depressing. Before we get to, <laughs> like, some... Uh, classic some Elon line. What's that? Injuries. Are de- classic, classic Elon line. Injuries are depressing. Let's yeah. move on. They are. <laughs> Let's go to some outjuries. Some great outjuries. How about Alex Steen... He came back for St. Louis. I didn't even realize he was going to be coming back. It sort of it sort of hit me over the head. Like one day I was just like, oh, Alex Dean is no longer IR eligible. And he's been just fantastic since he's returned for St. Louis. And, you know, it was good timing for them because Robbie Fabry got injured. But Steen has four points in three games since returning. He's playing today against Arizona. We'll see if he could build on that. But just like fantastic. Like he went right to the top power play. He has two power play points in that span. Like if Alex Steen is somehow available in your league, you have to grab him. There's a guy on Twitter who was asking if he should add him. And he listed some other guys he had the options for. This was before he came back. And I said, go for Alex Steen. And he even, it was very nice. He sent us a thank you tweet, thanking us for telling him to pick up Alex Steen. Did we send him a thank you tweet for the thank you tweet? I think I liked it. I think I liked his thank you tweet. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so Alex Steen is great. And also, you know, with Fabri injured, I was worried initially if maybe that was bad news for Paul Stasny, who, you know, like, it was kind of like that line. And I think at one point you were even saying on the podcast that it was Fabri who was maybe carrying Stasny at this point. But Stasny's just kept it up. He's been fantastic. And with Fabri injured, you know, this line has been like, like, Stasny isn't playing with these, like, super elite guys. Like, I think he's been playing with, like, Troy Brower. I'm just bringing up the lines now. But yeah, it's been like he's been playing with Brower and Magnus Pajarvi, but still like putting up the points. And of course, he's on the top power play, which helps. So yeah, the top power play on St. Louis has been like the power play overall has been really good. But yeah, we got Tarasenko, Lettera, Bacchus, and Steen. Oh, so Stasny hasn't even been there, but whatever. Stasny's been great. Steen has been great. Lots of great things, I guess, coming out of St. Louis, except for, of course, that one brutal start by Elliot, which we talked about before. Yeah, yeah. Not to spoil too much or to go too far ahead into our summer series this year, but Elon, I started just thinking of some episode topics and one was going to be guys who redeemed themselves this year. And Stasny has snuck onto the list is someone who, you know, I, I had his back for so long and then I finally gave up on him. Uh, and now is he redeeming himself with this performance? Is he really earning uh, to be dra- uh, the right to be drafted earlier than he was last year? Or is it flash in the pan? We'll go deeper into that in the off season. 17 points in his last 12 games. Insane. But I, I assume, Brian, you would take Alex Steen over Paul Stasny if you had the option. How could you not? Is that is that a joke? I would, I'm assuming it's obvious, right? Alex Steen, obviously. Or do you're you say joking. No? That's how obvious it is. I okay. think that you're joking. Okay, great. All right. <laughs> oh, no. At Perez Rules is leaving. He asked some good questions. So you'll listen to the show, hopefully, in the archives, and we'll answer your questions soon. Okay, so we're talking about outjuries. Where were we? Okay. <laughs> Sammy Vatnin came back. Made, I, we talk about the, the about the Ducks every week, but Shea Theodore got sent to the minors. So we said last week, actually, we said don't go in rushing to add Shea Theodore when he got called up. We said to wait and see like what his deployment is. And it was okay, but he got sent to the minors now. So there you go. Hope, if you added him, obviously, you need to drop him now. And Sammy Vatnin and, and Hampus Lindholm and Cam Fowler, those are the defensemen you want to have on Anaheim. Uh, then Corey Schneider returned. 
and had a he had a good game, but he lost to Tampa Bay. And I believe he's playing today. No, he's playing tomorrow. So we'll see. But Corey Schneider's back. He's a great goalie, right? Like even when New Jersey isn't able to win games, he's always going to give you a great save percentage. But with all these elite goalies that have been disappointing you, I feel like Schneider's one of the few that you can rely on this week. It will be very unlikely if he will blow up your goalie stats. But of course, now that I've said it, it'll probably happen. But, you know, they're playing Buffalo and then Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay minus Steven Stamkos and then Toronto. So a great schedule for New Jersey. So I feel like if you're if you're riding Corey Schneider this week, you're in good shape. All fair to say, to be honest, Elon, I was trying to listen to you, but I'm a little distracted. Yuri Hoodler with an assist on a Rocco Grimaldi goal just minutes ago. Teddy Purcell did get the other one. All three members of that line getting a point. And then just a minute and a half later, Rocco Grimaldi scores again, assisted by Riley Smith. Is this something we need to keep our eye on? I quickly grabbed his uh, his AHL stats this year. They're okay. 33 goals, uh, 33 points, excuse me, in 52 games. I remember when he was drafted back in 2011, he was picked uh, 33rd overall by the Panthers. And there was a lot of hype about this guy coming out of, he's a one of the Californians who, you know, joined, uh, started, played hockey growing up because of the, the teams and Gretzky being in California. Uh, I don't think he's quite lived up to expectations for what he's supposed to be, but hey, two goal game tonight. Rocco Grimaldi, good news for Yuri Hoodler. Yuri Hoodler gains Rocco Grimaldi. I guess so, yeah. Or maybe it's just like playing with Yuri Hoodler. It makes things happen. Maybe it was Hoodler who made Gojo and Monaghan so great on Calgary. Mm. I think they've still kept it up. Okay, another outchery, and I guess we could actually answer a question. Bobby D asks, Patrick Waugh crapping on Duchesne for celebrating 30th goal. Thoughts? And I I was going to bring up Duchesne because he came back from injury, scored a goal. Uh, Actually, he didn't do anything in his first game back from injury, but then scored a goal yesterday. But it was a brutal game for Colorado. They've totally blown their chance at making the playoffs. But he he did score the only goal against St. Louis in a 5-1 loss, had four shots on goal. So a good game overall for Matt Duchesne and a good season for Matt Duchesne overall. Like maybe not the point per game pace we thought that he would be capable of at some point. Like he has 57, 30 goals, 57 points in 73 games. So if I do some quick math here, that gives us a 64-point pace, which I think is a nice floor for him. But now people are wondering, like, Patrick Waugh was, like, mad at Matt Duchesne because he celebrated when the team was losing 4 nothing. So uh, I guess at the end of the day, the question is, Matt Duchesne, both in terms of actual NHL value, do you think teams are going to be able to capitalize on this? And also fantasy value. Do you agree with me if I would say that this 65-point pace is, like, a floor for him and you should just expect him to be even better next year? Yeah, that's the hope. We came out of last year, Elon, saying Matt Duchesne is going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. He started the year so slow and made us all very concerned that things weren't going to be okay. Just two points in his first 10 games. No matter, he had 20 points in his next 14 games and was essentially a point-per-game player uh, most of the season since then, really. Uh, If the guy wants to celebrate a goal, let him celebrate a goal. I like Patrick Waugh, I think, has much bigger fish that he should be frying rather than uh, Matt Duchesne's goal celebration. I think it was a really great distraction for Patrick Waugh to point the finger at Matt Duchesne when uh, Waugh has just seen the abs look so hapless and helpless uh, over the stretch and not even really putting up much of a fight for that wild card spot against Minnesota. Uh, so yeah, I, just this is just a distraction tactic from why I need to start looking at himself. And I think it's good news for Duchesne. 29 other teams are going to be calling. 
Yeah, he's he's good. Like, yeah, when like you say, I'm sure if we were to look at his point pace since that bad start, he's been closer to the point per game if he's at 65 game pace overall. So he's a really good player. And there was a stretch, remember, when Duchesne wasn't even getting on the top power play and he was like on a crappy line. So like he hasn't had the easiest season and Patrick Wall hasn't made life so easy for Matt Duchesne. Oh, by the way, speaking of Colorado, Nate McKinnon is out for the season, which is a bummer as well. But nothing you could do about it. I don't know who you would grab on Colorado. Can I just do a gripe quickly about Colorado, actually? Because I, lo- I lost my Cupful finals matchup because I lost. If I would have won the blocks category, I would have won my matchup. But for some reason, Francois Beauchemin, who I've been depending on for blo- like I wasn't holding on to him, hoping for points. He hasn't given me points in forever. I don't care because he's supposed to give me five, six blocks a game. Somehow, in his last three games, he gave me two blocks. Two, I lost by, I, I probably just like blew people's ears with that. Like I yelled too loud, but like I lost by like nine blocks overall in my matchup, I think nine or 11. Like that should have been, I should have gotten more than that from three games for Francois Beauchemin. Like, ugh, blocks. I reject, I reject your gripe. You burned moves all season long to the point that you couldn't get a goalie game in, in the in your finals matchup over two weeks <laughs> because you had no moves left and the one goalie you had Crawford got injured and your opponent was clever enough to to add two blocks guys on the last day of your matchup. Don't act like it's Boschman's fault. Or these, if he had four blocks or six blocks, he would have been fine. You 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 did this to yourself. All right, Boschman well, had- helped you so much this year. Fine. I I had to go all out to win my semifinal matchup against Joe. But at the end of the day, Brian, like the numbers are numbers. Am I right? Like I lost by. Uh, just a few blocks, like 10 blocks, like that Boschman, sh- like his, his season average in blocks should have been enough. If he would have just done what he had been doing all year, I would have won. Okay. Anyways, whatever. Boschman. If you had just resisted that one ridiculous ad that you made for no reason at some point in the year, you also yeah. would have been okay. All right. But I probably told you. Not. All right, let's move on. <laughs> okay. So we've done injuries. We've done out juries. I don't know. Ryan Nugent Hopkins came back. The thing with, like, you don't even need to talk about the Oilers just because they don't, they don't play it just twice this week. They played twice last week. Like, don't pick up an Oiler to get their game on Wednesday. I don't know. Like, who's play? I, I guess, sure. I'll, I'll just check really quickly who played with who. I think it was actually an interesting line, if I recall. Yeah, Eberly, Maroon, and McDavid stayed together. And then Hall, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, which is interesting. So Dreisaitl moved off center and, and, and Nugent Hopkins played center. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year with these Oilers lines. Maybe they'll make a move. They'll trade one of their stars in the summer, maybe pick up a defenseman, which would be great for Cam Talbot owners who are holding him in a keeper league. But yeah, interesting to see. We'll see if they keep those lines together or not. But at the end of the day, like if you could grab a spot start Oiler for Wednesday, that'd be great. But otherwise, like Saturday, your your lineup is is probably full. Anything to say about the Oilers, Brian? No. Okay, how about then, let's go, okay, I think we'll do, Brian, let's just do the condolences at the end. Maybe let's get into some of these, oh, we had some hot, oh, so much I want to talk about. Really quickly. Okay, Elon, here's, here's my proposal. Here's my proposal, because we're, we're doing this on the fly. Everybody gets to be in on the editorial process during the live show. Elon, I say we lightning round the rest of the stuff we have set up in the doc. Okay. And then we take a couple questions, maybe up to 9.15, then we hit our condolences. All right, let's do it. Okay, so in the dock, what do I have left here? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys everything we've got that we haven't talked about. So we have um, from the out juries that was all of them. Then we have some stuff that happened, like Duncan Keith suspended six games. 
Brent Seabrook, like this happened before that Keith was out and Seabrook was like amazing. He was almost a point per game guy. So if somehow he's probably not available, if you could get Brent Seabrook with Keith out, Seabrook, he's already been doing well with Keith out. He's going to continue. Like that's a great, and you know what? Like since Keith has been uh, in, uh, suspended, like Seabrook has been great. And also another Chicago Blackhawk who had been slow for so long, but has finally woken up is Artemi Panarin who a lot of people had given up on for good reason. He was pointless for so long, but he just exploded in his last two games. Like Seabrook has, I think, four points in his last two games. That's nothing compared to Panarin's eight points in his last two games. Two goals and two assists against Winnipeg, one goal and three assists against Boston. So for the people who held on to him... He was in our show planning doc for completely opposite reasons, and he turned that frown upside down next to his name. Amazing nights, like fantasy season winning nights. Uh, I, I wrote in the Facebook group, in like a lion, out like a lion. For Artemi Panarin, couldn't have come at a better time. What he just did, he and Patrick Kane clicked. We actually have a question, Elon. I'm going to skip ahead to it, Go for um, it, even though I said we'll get to questions. Uh, but Bobby in the chat, because he's here with us, and everybody who is here with us gets gets the live chat experience along with this live show experience. He said Panarin or Kuznetsov for a keeper. I'm going to go with Kuznetsov. Uh, I love Panarin, uh, but I feel like maybe situating him as someone who I wouldn't take ahead of Kuznetsov might give our listeners and you a better sense of what I think of him. It's been a very exciting season for him. Can Patrick Kane repeat a 100-point season? That answer really will influence how Panarin does next year. I'm not sure that he can. Uh, So few people, so few skaters have managed to do that in the last little while, Patrick Kane just joined an exclusive club uh, for amongst 100-point getters in the last, uh, I think, four or five seasons or so. So I'm going to uh, say that Panarin is a little too tied to Kane's success, and I feel like opposition teams are going to be keying in real hard on the two of them all of next year. Yeah, I think that Panarin keeper discussions are going to be very interesting this summer. Like, don't worry, guys. We're still going to be podcasting throughout the summer. <clears throat> we're going to go to bi-weekly instead of every week. There's not that much to talk about. But, you know, we're going to cover, like, you know, players who did really well and if we think they'll continue it, players who weren't good, and if we think they're going to be able to bounce back. Like, we got we got some stuff planned. And obviously, tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. If you have some ideas of what you want us to talk about throughout the summer, we're open to basically talk about anything. But, yeah, our Temi Panarin, such a great season. 72 points now. What an amazing rookie season. But you're right. Like, Patrick Kane has been his line mate the whole way through in these last two games. I've been talking about with Seabrook and Panarin. Patrick Kane has uh, six points in these last two games. He had a hat trick against Boston. Just crazy. You know, Patrick Kane has been so good. Like, even in that slow stretch where Panarin wasn't doing anything, like, Patrick Kane had a stretch where he had two points in five games. And I feel like that was, like, his worst stretch of the season, it seems like. And it's not even so bad for a cold streak to still get two points in five games. is isn't horrible. So Patrick Kane has been fantastic. But you're right. Like, maybe it's a bit much to expect him to be able to get 100 points every season. And that would obviously hurt Artemi Panarin. Over the summer, we'll look into all this stuff, like, shooting percentages and on ice, whatever stuff, all the advanced. Wow. Wait, wait to name, wait to name one stat and give up halfway through the second one. Uh, I, IPR. IPP. IPP. Really? Oh man. All the Just move things. on. Save yourself. I'm two red stripes into this podcast. So give me oh, a break. Yeah, if I can't mention why. every advanced stat. Okay. Uh, I'm going through, we're, we're lightning rounding here. Nazem Kadri also suspended for four games. Can we just mention quickly, Toronto's been pretty good, right? Like, surprisingly, 
Jonathan Bernier has been great. Like JVR got injured. They traded everybody and now Kadri suspended. But I still feel like like the Leafs could maybe sneak in a win or two this week. And and we're really seeing I think and now they have like so apparently because Pittsburgh made the playoffs, the Leafs got another first round pick from that Kessel trade. So Toronto's just gonna get more prospects. So maybe not next year, but I feel like in in a very short time, Toronto's gonna be a team to worry about and contend with. And as a Sens fan, I know that people in Ottawa, I'm not one of these people who, by the way, like dislikes teams. I know people in Ottawa, a lot of them are like, it's just as good for them if the Leafs lose as if the Sens win. Like, I, I'm happy for whoever, but like Toronto, I think they're going to be a team that is not going to, it's going to be better than Ottawa, I think, in a couple of years because they just are doing everything right right now. And they've got such a great group of prospects all producing now. And like Bernier, hopefully he can keep it up next year and actually have a good season as a good goalie. He'll be another guy in Schmore Goaliesborg that I'll be very interested to talk about him. Goalies, you know, on teams that you don't expect many wins from, but maybe he could help them get a few more than you'd expect. If he's even there. As of a month ago, his career as a Toronto Maple Leaf was essentially assumed to be over and maybe actually his NHL career could have been over. He spent time in the HL this season. No, he was, he was totally, he's never proven himself. I mean, he had a good season. Okay. But He's really he hasn't he has not. I, I think he's yet to establish himself as a as a number one guy in the NHL. And I, I think he still has work to do in that respect. And I don't know if he's going to get that chance with the Leafs. Remember, he was brought in when uh when Tim, was it Tim Lewicki, whatever his name was, moved over from LA to Toronto to work in like uh to be president of the team or whatever. He brought Bernier with him. That was his guy when Reimer was essentially, he was Optimus Rhyme at the time and they brought in Bernier and now Lewicki is no longer with the organization. So they have no allegiance. to Bern- Anyway, there's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, they really are giving Garrett Sparks plenty of opportunities, even with Jonathan Bernier playing hot. Uh, he has been more or less alternating starts with Garrett Sparks, who has not necessarily been earning the starts he's getting. Uh, maybe that's an effort to tank. Not so sure. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. We have to see where Jonathan Bernier actually ends up or who who ends up in a, in a Leafs uniform come September to really project. I, it's not a given at all for me that Bernier is the starting goalie for the Leafs next year or even with the Leafs next year. All right. Well, so by the time we do Schmore Goaliesborg, our, our annual tradition, obviously we'll know what's going on with the Leafs goaltending situation. It would be very interesting if they went with Garrett Sparks, but I guess they could just tank another year. Uh, not that playing, not that Garrett Sparks is like a guaranteed tank. He's been okay. It was actually interesting that Bernier had such a good stretch and they played Sparks two games in a row, even though Bernier has been amazing over the last month. Today, not as good. Three goals against against Florida, but you know, Florida's Florida's really good. Like it'll be really fun. Yeah, especially Rocco Grimaldi. Yeah. <laughs> Rocco I think Grimaldi. Jay, I think James Jam, I'm gonna put it out there. I, I don't think it's terribly outlandish to think that James Reimer is the Leafs number one goalie going into next season. So he's a free agent this summer? Yes. Oh, oh. I'm, I'm interested still to see what's going to happen with San Jose in the playoffs, which goalie they're going to play. I read something on Roto World today that they're going to probably go with Jones, at least for game one. But if he falters, I could definitely see Reimer stepping up. I know you posted an article on, on the patron-only Facebook group at some point, Brian, about how like Reimer would maybe be the guy if they hadn't had Jones all season. Anyways, maybe that's a bit of a rabbit hole. Let me let me continue down the list here. Here's a couple of totally insignificant things. But like the Habs waved Ben Scrivens. And they signed some guy named Lindgren, but I assume it's just going to be Condon for the rest of the okay, year. Let's let's move on. Okay, mm-hmm. the, the Flyers signed Ray Emery. Okay, how about hot streaks? We have to mention, we can't go, like, how about Phil Kessel and Nick Bonino 
what an insane like week this has been like phil kessel's been pretty like average to like above average i guess this year but not the superstar we were hoping for then like malkin got injured and we talked about how okay well now kessel's really in trouble and now like what does he have here like five goals and six assists in his last six games what like playing and he's playing on a line with Nick Benino as a cent or as a centerman, but I guess he's better when he doesn't have as good of a centerman. And not to insult Nick Benino, but he's no Evgeny Malkin. But they've been like the hottest line in hockey. Yeah. So I love stating this stat. I can't remember if I did it last week or if it was somewhere else. But Phil Kessel uh, goals four per sixty minutes with Evgeny Malkin, uh, two point six five with Nick Benino. 4.06, which is like an off the charts difference. Like, you know, between other guys, it's like maybe two tenths of a goal for per 60 minutes. But Phil Kessel, of four goals for per 60 minutes while playing with Nick Benino. Carl Haglin, by the way, is a big part of all this too. Elon, remember when we were on TSM, we heard Malcolm was injured. You you got in a quick drop Haglin, and, and I can't blame you for saying it. We thought that line was over, but it looks like it's been... Uh, resuscitated it's uh, and it's 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 worth saying like I don't think this is necessarily luck either like Malkin has been out since mid-March and that's exactly when Phil Kessel began showing a really noticeable like significant uptick in possession personal shot attempts points for 60 minutes and pretty much everything you want to see from a player in terms of their potential to produce and this is why I love Phil Kessel so much like why is this happening because he's playing with a subpar second line center like who should actually be a third line center it's it's just like you know if only the the pens acquired tyler bozak with phil kessel they could have saved themselves a lot of heartache instead of trying to play him with evgeny malkin i guess it's too much for 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 phil to share the puck or feel like he has to share the puck he just goes and does his thing as long as there's nobody else on the ice to do their thing i wonder if it was like this for him with his junior teams too it's just so funny how, like, I know Ryan Latre or Ryan here in the chat room is like, you know, like he drafted Kessel in the cupful and he like let him down so much this season. And now that he like didn't make the playoffs, Kessel's just taking off. It's like, I don't know. It'll be like next year when we're like previewing next season and like coming up with projections for points. Like, I have no idea where to put Phil Kessel. It'll be like, if he plays on the third line, maybe he'll be good. But if he's playing with Malkin, I don't know. But yeah, it's also crazy. Like, Nick Benino, I guess he's a guy who might be available in your league, though. His obviously his percentage owned has just skyrocketed in the last couple of weeks. He's up to 44.4% owned ESPN. So maybe you could still get him. But he's got 14 points in his last 16 games, which is not something we would have expected. But Pittsburgh is surging. And like we talked about at the start of the show, so Matt Murray has been great, and Pittsburgh's got Ottawa on Tuesday. They could definitely shell Ottawa. That's not an unheard of thing. If you could get Nick Benino for tomorrow, like, why not? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he'll give you at least a point, if not more. Okay, next on the list. Okay, Jonathan Bernier, we talked about... Oh, we have to mention Brian. I feel like we give him so much crap. Could we just mention Ryan Kessler and how great of a season he has had overall? We actually got a tweet from... Loading it up now, at, uh, Matthew Bender at 5280code at Keeping Carlson. Why I keep Kessler all year? Every year, my competing podcast is called Keeping Kessler. And then he gave, gave a screenshot of Kessler's like last 10 games or so. He's been just on fire along with Jacob Silverberg on his line. Like we've talked about the Ducks like so often. We're always talking about the Ducks. And I feel like even though we talk about the Ducks every podcast, we never seem to mention Ryan Kessler. I'm not sure why. He's been their leading scorer in the last 30 games tied with Jacob Silverberg, actually. They both have 15 points in their last 15 or 13 games. Getzlaff is the next with 10 points. So these have been the real guys to own. And Ryan Kessler, you know, 
heating up at the right time, helping people in the finals. And of course, he helps in some peripherals, especially I know face-off wins is one of his big ones that people have him for. But he's also been getting hits. He's even getting some blocks lately. So Kessler just has been an overall stud for these fantasy playoffs. I'm curious, Brian, have you changed your thoughts on Ryan Kessler? Like next year when you draft, are you going to change? Are you going to think differently than you did this year when you were drafting and thinking about picking Ryan Kessler? I'm not in a league that values his peripherals. I'm not in any leagues that count face-off wins or hits. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Like, it's not like he does this every year. 50 points is the most he's scored in a season since 2010-2011. Uh, when he had 73 points with Vancouver, of course, in a much better situation. Um so I, I mean that's that's my that's my answer. He he's he's already hit fifty, which is impressive with six games remaining in the season or four, or however many the Ducks have left. Uh, but I don't know that I see him like. And fifty points is an achievement. Like we've talked about that before. Uh, so it's great. Uh, but when he's cold, he's cold. Like he, if you, I'm looking at his splits right now, uh, in his first thirty six games, he had twelve points on the season. So he's really turned it on in the second half of the season. I don't think that's that's a common thing for him to do. He has 27 points in his last 29, which is great. Um, but I don't know if that's worth owning him for an entire season for. He's also seen a 10% shoot, uh, personal shooting percentage improvement in that 29-game span. That's post-All-Star break when he's been nearly a point per game. So it can't all continue the way it is right now. I still see him as a 45-point guy plus peripherals. Yeah, like he's got 14 points in his last 10 games. It's crazy. But yeah, not to say that it'll necessarily happen next year, but Anaheim has just been so hot. And like they've had so many lines producing. We didn't mention Brandon Peary got injured, which was too bad. So it's really hard to like predict the guys that you want to have that are playing with uh, Bobby, uh, Corey Perry, and Ryan Getzlaff. I almost went way back in the past. I was going to say Bobby, Bobby Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it seems like that one line of Silverberg, Kessler, like they went, they were hot for so long. We were talking about them and they went cold for a stretch and now they're hot again to end the year. So if you held on to them, like they're helping you down. Cogliano, we should mention even, is is putting up some points. He's not a guy you would have expected to produce 10 points in his last 15 games. Same number of points as Ryan Getzlaff, believe it or not. And Corey Perry, only eight points in his last 15 um, Shout out to Andrew Cogliano becoming the second NHLer ever to play his first 700 consecutive NHL games without missing a game in between. The only other NHLer to ever do that was Mr. Ironman himself, Doug Jarvis. Uh, so way to go, hmm. Andrew Cogliano. Cool. And also I was going to mention on the... Uh, Ducks really quickly. Ricard Raquel is injured, but he's apparently going to come back for maybe a couple of games before the end of the season. And so maybe you might want to grab him for some spot starts if you see that you could get him in free agency. Okay, do we have anything else left in this doc? I'm going through. I think we're good. Let's move on to some of the questions or let's go through the questions. We're going to do our condolences. We're going to bring the show home. Uh, Ryan asked a question about Brian's dress code. He doesn't like, yeah, Brian, I've got the Keeping Carlson hat. I got the Keeping Carlson shirt. Well, I guess it's just a Carlson hat. What are you wearing, nerd? <laughs> I got uh, you're, you're in a locker. You know, like, I was I was still Jason. eating dinner seconds before this this started, so I just I did not have time to change. That's I'll true. work on that next time. If okay. anybody wants to send me some colorful tapestries to put on the wall behind me, um, just ask for my address. 
It was really funny when we started, like when we joined the Blab before we actually started the recording, the first video image I see of Brian is like shoving noodles in his face, which guys, I've seen this so much. Every time I record anything with Brian, it's always him putting noodles in his face before we could start recording. But okay. Noodles all the time. It's usually noodles. I like okay. noodles though. Hey, that's a nice Keeping Carlson mug, by the way. So you got something. Okay. <laughs> Question from Perez Rules. He asked every team it's player. Perez Rules. I'm sorry. Oh, I always Pez say Perez. Rules. I don't know why I say I that. I know. I don't know that's why. A... Now you've got it. He's going to appreciate that because he, he was mad at you when he left the live show oh, minutes sorry. ago. Okay, this is getting silly. We need to take. Okay. At Pez Rules, at Pez Rules, every team plays on Saturday. This Saturday, every team in the NHL plays. Bench spots will be filled with players that play. Is there a strategy around this at all? He wrote, assuming not, but I do have a strategy for you. And my strategy is uh, figure out who you're going to be benching on that day and then make your decision for this week, assuming that guy's not playing that day, right? It seems obvious, but like, let's say, for example, like the Oilers, like I said, they only play Wednesday and Saturday. If you have a player who's probably not going to play on Saturday, if you have like a Pat Maroon who you're thinking of streaming or whatever, I'm just throwing a name out, you know, he only plays Wednesday for you. So figure out, like, for example, I have Mikhail Granlund in in one of my leagues, in actually the only league that I'm still in. And I'll tell you a secret now. I hope my opponent isn't listening to me, but he plays Tuesday and then he doesn't play until Saturday. And he's like, you know, been good lately, but he's probably one of my bottom guys. Like he's not going to get into my lineup on Saturday. So I'm for sure going to drop him Wednesday morning. And I'm going to pick up Sean Couturier who plays like Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I consider that at least three games from him, even if I bench him on Saturday. Guys, look out for Sean Couturier, an amazing schedule to end the season if he's available in your league, by the way. But yeah, that's a strategy. Like figure out now who you're going to be benching on Saturday and then consider dropping them earlier to get guys who could help you on the other days. Yeah, great rundown. Elon, you're the you're the super roster maximizer guy. I defer completely to you in these kinds of discussions. I think you did you did a good job there. All right. So then the last question I've got here again from Pez Rules. Islanders have been my playoff strategy for a couple of months due to their schedule. How deep do we go with them? Is Strom worth it? Who isn't worth it? So right. Islanders are the only team that plays five times this week. We already talked about Grice and how maybe it's a good thing, but maybe it's a bad thing because we don't know if he's going to be blowing up your numbers or not. Though, good game tonight. What's the update here with the Tampa Bay? 5-2 for Islanders over Tampa Bay. Hopefully Grice can rein it in and not let in any more goals and it'll be a quality start with the win and a decent save percentage. Way to go. And did Bishop stay in the game? I'm checking now. Oh, Bishop got pulled. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> my, <laughs> Sorry, I'm enjoying myself. Uh, okay, so... Anyways, the Islanders, Brian, let's take a look at their team. Like with John, uh, I'm going to step in, Elon. Over the last three weeks, in their last 11 games played, in the last 10 or 11 games played, only John Tavares is producing at a pace above a half point per game. You've got Nielsen, Bailey, and Ocposo falling just shy. All guys that I'd still consider as fantasy relevant. Anders Lee is down there with Brock Nelson and Nikolai Kuhlman, just a point behind. Uh, the, that other group I just mentioned that I like more. Uh, but Lee is the one guy I'd probably move out of that second group of three into that top group of three. Uh, Ryan Strom was somebody that Pez uh, specifically brought up. Only two points in his last 11 games. I don't know. Like, I, I, it was clever of you to to go into your draft or whatever part of the season planning on uh, riding the Islanders in this final week. But, I, you know, Elon, we never went back to check. Uh, when Pittsburgh had that five-game week, I put out a little caveat saying, uh, you know, five games is great for volume, but it's not great for fatigue. And so while a player might play five games, they might play two, two of them 
dog tired and end up, you know, just being a non-factor in some of them. So I think that's something to be concerned with. I don't think you go any deeper than you normally would with the Isles, which is Tavares, Nielsen, Bailey, Ocposo, and Anders Lee on offense. And then uh, I guess you could go Letty and Boychuk on defense, but, uh, you know, just not a lot always happening there. Letty, after really uh, getting back in our good graces for a while, just three points in his last 11 games, only one of them coming on the power play. Yeah, he had six shots today actually against Tampa Bay so he's still helping you a little bit I guess but yeah cold stretch for Nick Lee I'm surprised you put Bailey in that list of guys you would want I think like you would want Bailey over uh, Ryan Strom oh maybe we're, we're talking about like similar types of players at the end of the day yeah yeah exactly yeah it's interesting actually the lines like John Tavares we talk about a lot how he hasn't been as good we talked about him on the patron cast as good as people expected he has been still pretty good lately but um, you, when you think about it, he's been playing a lot of the season with Bailey and Strom as his line mates. Like, he hasn't been able to play with the great players that should help him, you know, get to that next level, like, compared to some of the other elite players in the league. So it's not surprising maybe that he hasn't been that good. But, yeah, it's too bad that this – today, finally, it looks like uh, Tavares has been on the top line with Ocposo and Franz Nielsen. So better line mates, and the Islanders are winning, and so – Maybe that's like what he needs. Like, why hasn't Tavares played more games with Kyle Ocposo? They were clicking together for so long. I don't know why, but like today, a goal and two assists so far for John Tavares. Kyle Ocposo, what does he have? Bring it up here. Two assists. Like, that's what it should be. So maybe going into next year, hopefully the Islanders will play Tavares with Ocposo and both of them will just do really well. Nice. Nice. All right. So... I guess that is it for the show. We have a question from Ryan asking if there's going to be a Keeping Carlson playoff pool this year. Okay, so that's something to think about. Let's talk about it on the patron group. I think that's something we should do. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, but it's, it's going to be for everybody. We'll, we'll put out the details uh, next show. So stay tuned. Uh, and Elon, you're not closing the show yet. Oh, the condolences. I've got it. I'm ready. Oh, my goodness. Almost have- like for the third consecutive week. <laughs> Brian, do you have it up on your side? I have it up. I'm ready to go. All right. So before we close the show, and I'm going to put some music over this, I guess, for the actual edit. But let's uh, give condolences to any team that has been eliminated from their playoffs. Uh, we asked the patrons of Keeping Carlson, the much-valued patrons, by the way. Thank you so much to everyone who stuck with us for the whole year as a patron. And anyone who wants to like sign up to be a patron, or if you are a patron, by the way, starting now for the you know until next season, for any amount of money that you want to commit to the show, uh, per month, like it doesn't have to be five dollars. You get to be a patron of Keeping Carlson, have access to our monthly patron casts, and join the patron only Facebook group. It's a good time to check it out and see what it's like. Anyway, all that to say, some of the patrons got eliminated from their pools, and we want to give condolences to their team. So, Brian, let's just take turns naming their teams. I'll go first. Let's cue that music, the sad music, a tribute to those we've lost along the way. Yeah, <laughs> swiper, no swiping. Which I just learned is a Dora the Explorer reference. Okay. Song of Icing and Fire. Do you know what that's a reference to? Game of Thrones, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. Locker right. room locker room shenanigans. Jack to the future. That's good. I'm assuming Eichel. Okay. Bitches be crazy. Classic. Good name. I'm glad you were the one to say it. Uh, oh, no. No. I don't know how to say this one. Anze winner is. You could say Anje winner is. <laughs> Just don't say Anj. People get mad at you when you say Anj Kopitar. <laughs> but uh, Anje, I think, is okay. One time. Okay. For Keep a whole going. episode many times. Okay. Jerusalem, city of McDavid. That's a good one. Nicely detailed. Nicely detailed name. Uh, Deeks of Hazard. 
Yager don't care. That was in the cupful. That's a shame. He was like one of the best regular season teams in the cupful, but Dave couldn't take it home. Klingburgers. <laughs> I took a pill with Sbisa. Crazy Eights. Sagan Genesis. AKA That's So Sagan. Ah, the first iteration of that name is better. Don't Kessel the Hoff. All hail Caesar. And he has a picture of a Caesar. The drink. Springfield Pigs. <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of names here to go through. Okay, let's speed it up. Yeah. Carl's Sonification. Duchesne in the hall, in the stall. Carly's Angels. No, this, well, I'm just saying Colton. These are all Colton. Grumpified. Are we going to fight over these names of what's left? Grumpified. There, I said it. I was just going to say all of Colton's teams all at once. Okay. <laughs> Carly's Angels is pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ain't afraid of no ghost bear. Uh, the rug munchers. By the way, Ain't afraid of no ghost bear. There's no way that was your team name at the start of the year. <laughs> but <laughs> ni- nice change midway through. Okay. Only a matter of time. I like it. Crazy Joe Davola. Uh, Danish Oh My Darlings. And as recently as yesterday at 3.15 p.m., Darren Helms Deep said goodbye. Yeah, and also very recently, as of yesterday also, I have to say the Carl Smartest, my team in the Kakuffle. <laughs> and uh, and my, anyway. my Falcon Dragons as well. <laughs> I'm going to add them there. All right, well, so that's a bummer to the teams that lost. Sorry, but good job making it as far as you did, at least for the ones that made the playoffs. It's it's hard. It's hard in the finals, especially when your goalies are blowing up like a lot of them did. Next week, we'll celebrate the winners. So definitely, uh, we'll put a post on Facebook for you to list those. Okay, thanks for everyone for tuning into our live show. For everyone who actually being here, that was a lot of fun. I hope you liked it. Thanks for everyone who joined us. Everyone listening, thank you for joining us for the whole season. It's been such a fun season keeping Carlson. We're going to do another episode next week, recapping the year, and then we'll go bi-weekly for the summer. If you enjoyed the show, if you have any thoughts about what you want to talk about in the summer, tweet at us, at Keeping Carlson. If you want to uh, help support the show, you can give us a five-star review on iTunes. Always very much appreciated. You can also look into becoming a patron. Like I said, any amount of money. You could commit a dollar a month, and you could be a patron of Keeping Carlson for the summer and get all the access. And also, we're going to be talking a lot in the patron Facebook group over the summer about the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League and how we're going to tweak it for next year. If you want to get in the best fantasy hockey league in the world, you've got to be a patron of Keeping Carlson. Uh, What else should I say? We've got SeatGeek. Then we've got the offer code KEEPING if you want to get $20 off your first purchase. I don't know, Brian. Uh, Go to DauberHockey.com. Let's cue that outro music, which I'll do in post. And Brian, read us the credits. This show was researched with help from Frozen Pool. No, it was supported by our patrons and presented by Dabra Hockey. It was researched with help from Frozen Pool, War on Ice, Corsica Hockey, Hockey Analysis, Hockey Reference, Yahoo Sports, Roto World, and ESPN Fantasy Hockey. Great job, as always, Brian. This has been so much fun. We'll definitely do more shows, live shows like this next season. Maybe we'll even do one in the summer at some point. We'll keep you posted. Follow us on Twitter. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Oh, yeah, Brian, say your catchphrase. Keep on keeping Carl's song. Bye. Bye.